Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, episode 27, October 1st, 2022. So glad you could make it. That's right. That was three cheers because uh, this is the beginning of the second half, episode 27. We've been at this for over half a year now, and and thanks to you guys, it was over a thousand people that have listened, or at least a thousand times that people have listened, Um, somewhere around 30 or 40 of you out there um, checking out the DT Madness, so it really is awesome, man. I really appreciate it. and thanks for those of you who comment and make comments and encouragements and suggestions and all that kind of stuff. Um, last week, I talked about being all in with the hand that I've been dealt. I suppose in some ways, this week is a continuation of that thought pattern. After the episode last week, I thought of the Grateful Dead song, Truckin', and the lyrics you know, that say, uh, sometimes your cards ain't worth a dime if you don't lay them down. Or the Ava Brothers song called Once and Future Carpenter, which is maybe my favorite. But uh, my life is but a coin pulled from an empty pocket, dropped into a slot with dreams of sevens close behind. Hope and fear go with it, and the moon and the sun go spinning like the numbers and fruits before my eyes. Sometimes I hit, sometimes... It robs me blind, goes on to say, if I will live the life I'm given, I won't be scared to die. But where my mind has been for the majority of this week is in Middle Earth. I came late to Lord of the Rings. I didn't read it until I was in my early 30s, I guess. But but when I read it for the first time 12 or so years ago, I definitely discovered what all the fuss was about. And I've read it every year about this time since. I read it aloud to Sam when he was little, and I used all the voices and um, went through the whole trilogy. That way, I think we even started with The Hobbit. So that was was really fun. Isaac is underway in The Hobbit already now, and he's uh, already talking about the different dwarves and wondering where the journey's going to take him. I have to admit, this go-round, I was kind of in between books, and so I thought I'd just pick it back up. You know, I was going to skim through it and grab onto the high points and all the places I've underlined and starred through the years. But I was captured, you know, captivated once again, drawn in. The story just grabs you in that way. I mean, to the point that during my planning period the other day, after I'd had all my school stuff done, of course, I I found myself close to full-on weeping when Gimli and Galadriel have their exchange in Lorien. But I know for those of you who have never read Lord of the Rings, then that statement I just made means nothing. It's just gobbledygook, I guess. I mean, if you don't listen to Fish, then I couldn't possibly explain to you the feeling 
I mean, like the whole body experience, the emotions, the gladness, the, the yeah. I mean, when I'm listening to the Alpine Valley, David Bowie drop into that groove. Sorry, that, that just happened as I was writing this out. But, but it helps me make my point with Lord of the Rings. I mean, if you don't, if you're not immersed in that world, you won't quite understand what I mean. And even if I just pulled some quotes out, I couldn't quite capture the, the, the flow, the, the energy, the, the experience that that brings to me. You, you know about reading. So I don't aim for this episode to become all about my interpretation of the trilogy. There's plenty of that out there. Though I will use many quotes, and there is no doubt that my experience in reading the books this past week colors much of what I'm saying. I hope to create a narrative, though, that is relatable, even if you haven't read Tolkien's masterpiece. Because, as I said, I'm using the backdrop of this great quest to highlight the frame of mind I've been in the last few episodes anyway. But also, if you haven't read it, do it. What are you waiting for? Especially the opening book called The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay, okay, moving on. The last few weeks, I've been thinking about goals and engagement. I've laid a lot of challenges on the table for my kids at school, but this week, I'm beginning to take those challenges to heart for myself. I think it's true for a lot of my kids that they don't know what they want to do. And that's understandable. They're 16 or 17. I mean, I, I had a few ideas in my head, but I had no idea where I wanted to go specifically on my journey of life. I guess I did know that I was going to go to college. That was just kind of the expectation and then, you know, figure it out along the way. But a lot of my kids don't have that path laid out for them. And to be sure, there's a lot of rethinking to be done about that path. And so the challenges of trying to understand what's next and what goals to even set as a teenager anyway is already really tough. And then add on to it all these layers of what we will call life over these past couple years. And for me, I'm two thirds of the way to having 45 years in this life. And so wherever you are in your quest, know that setting goals and continuing on new paths, rediscovering old paths perhaps, is not something that ends, at least in my experience. I have to be honest, though, in a lot of ways right now, I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels, stuck in the rut. Not so much personally as professionally. I hope that it's just the natural recovery from the COVID years, what I like to call the years that shall not be named. And I hope that over the next few months and years that our mission and practice in the schools will become clear and focused again. But I suspect that a lot of my frustration is over the lack of imagination, the lack of creativity and willingness to break out of our molds, the lack of unity and community bent on pressing forward and adapting to our quickly changing society. And there's no doubt at all that the notion of my spinning my wheels is due in large part to the greater structures of society. Our political system is fractured at best. Our trust is, well, we seem to have misplaced it in in all of the institutions that we rely on. It's like we're all stunned into this stuckness. That statement I will have to unpack at some other time. But for now, a quick 
halftime. As I will once in a while, I'd like to give you a uh, a handyman update. Uh, yesterday, right before the uh, the remnants of Ian uh, came through our our small town, just with some wind and some rain, um, the the I was I was getting ready to to use the sprayer on the kitchen sink and and wash the blender out. And as I pull it up, the the top part, the sprayer itself, came off. There's water just shooting in a stream straight up into the air all over the place i quickly turn it off try to clean up a little bit couldn't get the sprayer fixed um so i was going to go get a replacement one but i didn't want to have to go all the way to lowe's because it was getting nasty out so i went to the local hardware store and all they had was the full sink replacement anyway come back make that happen had it set you know ready to roll come to find out the next time I walk in, there's just a pool of water <laughs> in the floor because I guess I had failed to tighten the nut under the hot water water line uh, completely. And, you know, getting up under the sink, my dad has always told me to keep your butt behind you. And when you get up under the sink, you know, with, with that stuff going on, that's tough. It's tough to keep your butt behind you. My friend Matthew said I needed a left-handed monkey wrench. If you know, you know. Um, but anyway, got the thing fixed. But this one had handles that you turn, knobs, rather than the little levers that we're so used to. And there were people who were not uh, glad about that. And so I went back and changed again and put the new one or the old one back on, but with the new sprayer. All is well. So if you need a four-hole sink replacement done i'm your man i know i know how that one goes a, a question for you uh, a couple of questions for you for for one do you wear ear pods do you wear earbuds or whatever they're called like do do you wear those things and if you do when you're not wearing both of them when you're just wearing one first of all is that a common practice do you just wear one if you do is there a go-to ear I know that there's the, the practicality of you have to switch if you're going to do it for a long time because one of them is going to lose its charge and stuff. But if you if you just have one, you're going to wear it for a little while. Do you just go with one ear? I'm a left ear guy. Um, a few more questions. If you were a flower, what would you be? What about a car? If you were a car, what about if you were a time of day? And this one is for chemistry, folks. What if you were an element? What element would you be? All right, so here we go back into the second half. Um, talking about goals and spinning my wheels and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I read this article this week about how the estimation is that most adults spend about a decade, 10 years of their lives stuck on autopilot, just completing habits and repetitive behaviors and going through the motions without much awareness of their lives at all. So I've been assessing myself with that in mind. I, 
I take a B complex vitamin and a zinc each morning before I go to school. I don't take it until after I've had my shower and I put my orange ginger bath and body works lotion on and I've done my neck traction and I put my pants and shoes on. Then I take the B vitamin and the zinc before I take the recycling out and feel how the air of the morning feels. But always take the B first and then the zinc because that's what I do. And I have a bunch of hangups like that. As if somehow I took them in the other order, it wouldn't work the same. So I'm on autopilot too. And I got to think that so much of being in that daze, so much of doing things repetitively is a defense mechanism. It's a coping thing. But I don't want to be on autopilot. I want to have the courage to take the journey, to take the burden of the ring, even though like Frodo, I am afraid. Even though I know where this journey, at least this part of it, ends, I know the cost. Even so, I want to have the courage to take the journey. I told Sam when he went to college, I tell people this a lot, that there'll be some really high moments and some low moments, but, but most of it will be regular. It's life. And to be absolutely clear, the regular is okay. It's glorious in its own way. But in the regular, maybe especially there and then, I want to be awake, aware. If I'm sitting in my blue chair doing my morning routine, I want to be fully conscious of how my tea tastes, green tea and ginger mixed up, and how the twigs outside the window are dancing in the wind. When I'm folding laundry, I want to be folding the laundry, enjoying it even. And not often some imagined future or dwelling in the past or grumbling about something or another. And not numb, but present. If you read The Lord of the Rings, you, you will be filled with wonder and awe and sadness and tragedy. But a good bit of the time, you will just be on the journey. And those regular moments provide structure and preparation and experience. There's a quote from when... Um, Boromir is trying to uh, convince Frodo that, that they should just use the ring, you know, and, and Frodo says that he has a warning in his heart and, and the warning is against delay. It's against the way that seems easier, against refusal of the burden that is laid on, against trust in the strength and truth of men. So I want to be on with it. I don't want to delay. I want to live deliberately, as Thoreau says to suck out the marrow of life. I want to examine my habits and practices, to kick the autopilot out of his seat. I want to create and recreate my own goals and aims, my own priorities, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, communally. Perhaps that will be what I will think about this week, the details of those priorities. Maybe they will feature in episode 28, unless I get back to talking about what I've searched on Google. But one thing is for sure, and and, and that is a priority that, that I'm ashamed to say we've made too many excuses for too long that I have, and that is eliminating like plastic bags from Walmart. I, after cleaning, you know, had to move all this stuff out from under the sink to uh, repair the four hole installment there. Um, and we just have just so many of those things. And we use them, we reuse them 
for liners for the bathroom trash cans and and whatever you know for muddy shoes at the river or something like that um and and you know what i'm not talking about saving the world from whatever i'm not talking about these massive changes i'm talking about the trash i see at the local greenway at the river i'm just talking about doing my small part to help eliminate the mounds of plastic that we generate and that very small burden it's worth it but anyway that's more for next week but of course there's there's a depth a real depth to the quest to destroy the ring I want to be like Galadriel or Gandalf who could use the power to do great things. These great people, their intentions would be good at the outset, but they refuse the power. When Tolkien talks about there are three rings that elves had, you know, and, and the quote is, they are not idle, but they were not made as weapons of war or conquest. That is not their power. Those who made them did not desire strength or domination or hoarded wealth, but understanding making and healing to preserve all things unstained. These things the elves of Middle-earth have in some measure gained, though with sorrow. We are a part of a great history, a history of life and existence, of great accomplishment and creativity. And the, the traditions that are passed down to us are magnificent in many ways. But those traditions are not just for us to accept blindly. They require fresh breath and interpretation. Too often, perhaps, those traditions are turned into what I call the Church of Boromir. Boromir is a character in the book, and he he was a great man. He was strong and determined with a good heart. But the allure of the power of the ring, of the one ring, overcame him, and he tried to take it from Frodo. His intentions were noble, he thought. He would use the power for good. He would use it to vanquish the enemy. He thought if he just had the answers, he thought he did have the answers and that the path he saw was the path. He knew, he knew he was right and he no longer accepted the mystery. And he was then controlled by strength and domination, even if not hoarded wealth at the time, rather than understanding, making, and healing, and preservation. He couldn't fathom that throwing the ring away to its destruction was the proper course. But as much as I want to label those out there as Boromir, I know for certain that I am Boromir too. A specific example, after a tennis match the other day, I sought to make a player feel better by commenting on another's performance in a negative way. Maya Angelou says, do the best you can until you know better. And when you know better, do better. But I know better than that. My intentions were good. I thought if only I could get hold of the power, I could make it all right. I could solve all the things. But I'm not ashamed to be Boromir. Because soon as he realized what he had done, as soon as he realized that, that, that he was controlled by this lust for power um, and domination and glory, as soon as he realized that, uh, he, he fell on his face and he wept. He wept. 
And you know what? I admitted my mistake to the tennis person and asked for forgiveness. And perhaps the darkness of Mordor lies in our unwillingness to weep and in our unwillingness to offer redemption to those who do weep. For those who weep in understanding and in search of forgiveness. Tolkien says, Indeed is nothing, indeed in nothing is the power of the Dark Lord more clearly shown than in the estrangement that divides all those who still oppose him. He says in a different place, we are all friends here, or should be, for the laughter of Mordor will be our only reward if we quarrel. Our task is pressing. It is time. The time is now. The quote is, there are many things in the deep waters, and seas and lands may change, and it is not our part here to take thought only of a season, or for a few lives of men or for a passing age of the world. We should seek a final end of this menace, even if we do not hope to make one. And I suggest that by folding laundry, that's what we can do. I've thought about this week how two of the common themes of of the madness seem paradoxical. Be live, I say. You know, uh, it's, it's a sign that hangs on our front porch, which to me just illustrates so beautifully how how much we should be in the moment, how we should be here now. But increasingly I've talked about and 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 the token of hope has the, the, the phrase this too shall pass. And so I'm leaning both on be live in the moment, but also the fact that this too shall pass, that time will be generous to us. It's a paradox. Yeah. Both and not either or. It's the mystery. You know, it's the mystery that comes from Emerson's poem that says, you know, we should finish every day and be done with it. You've done what you can. You've done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities no doubt crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. Begin it well and serenely with too high a spirit to be cumbered with your old nonsense. Because of course we should be in the moment But of course we're going to err. Of course we're going to make mistakes and blunder. Of course we're going to experience that numbness and that autopilotness. But this too shall pass. It's just a halfling, you know? Frodo, um, Sam, Pippin, Mary. They're just just hobbits from the Shire. Not many in Middle-earth had even ever heard of them. They had even heard that there were hobbits. They have no special powers or wizardry. They like to eat, and they like to laugh, and they like to eat again, and they like to smoke their pipe weed. They like to tell stories and jokes and sing songs. Nothing overly extraordinary about them. Now, I don't want to use that as an excuse to be on autopilot. I mean, I don't want to just settle for the fact that I'm just a small town boy living in a lonely world and all I can do is meager, so I'll just do meager things. I want to press on. I want to labor and strive and be courageous enough to bear the burden of destroying the ring even when I don't feel as though I have the strength. Even when I feel like I'm just too small of a part. I don't want to use that to um, 
you know, discount what my actions could be. I don't want to use it to coast along. Because even when I don't have the strength, I know that you'll be there to help me carry the burden. I know that so many along the way are there, whether they know it or not, whether I know it or not. I'm not talking about settling when I make the claim about folding the laundry. However, I also don't want to discount the seemingly small tasks and actions, the simple word of kindness to the checkout person at Ingalls, the moment you take that allows someone a chance to merge in front of you, even when you're in a hurry, the intentional and deliberate actions of folding laundry or wiping down a counter or sitting and taking it all in, taking thoughts captive, as Paul says. Those actions and thoughts do indeed cause ripples that will resonate across eternity. So let's turn the autopilot switch off and set our own course. I don't say set my own course, but our course. Let us enter into the fellowship that is intent on capturing the joy of existence through the highs and lows and the regular. This has been a Church of Six production brought to you by the Token of Hope, by the Bucket of Life, by the Magic Rock, by the Foundation Tower of Stone, and by the Wall of Belief. Don't forget to be live. Don't forget to believe. This too shall pass. Back to Middle Earth for me. Peace, my friends.